Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you from beautiful Lexington, Kentucky. This is episode 11, round three of the Americans in Scotland Roundtable. It's a conversation between my Scottish golf trip companions and I, Fred and Matt, discussing our round at St. Andrew's Castle course this time. We also take some time to recount some of our favorite moments of food and cheer from around the town of St. Andrews. Before then, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is a member of the Talking Golf Network of Shows, which you can find the entire catalog at TalkingGolf.com. That's 1G in TalkingGolf.com. There you're going to find great golf podcasts, including the Good Good Golf Podcast with hosts Rod Morey and Adrian Logue, who somehow keep managing to find more and more interesting guests within the game of golf. You should check it out along with the rest of the entire catalog for sure. As always, you can interact with this show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod. You can find my thoughts and writings online over at OneBeardedGolfer.com. You can interact with me directly on Twitter at OneBeardedGolfer. That's the number one bearded golfer. As always, there will be links to the show over on the website, so I hope you'll check that out. A reminder, this podcast is sponsored by me and me alone. In addition to playing, talking, and writing about golf, I'm a licensed Kentucky realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. I work both with homeowners buying and selling their homes and also work with investors and businesses on commercial properties here in central Kentucky. You can find out all about that over at davidhill.rhr.com. You can reach out to me there. I'll be happy to discuss your real estate needs or just to give you some friendly advice if that's all you need. Now back to the roundtable. This discussion is a little light on golf. I think Fred musters everything he can to say something nice about a course that beat him up pretty good. It certainly wasn't his favorite. Matt provides a similarly perfunctory positives-only assessment, though through slightly less gnashed teeth than Fred. Candidly, I think my guys are nuts. I loved the castle course. It was like nothing else we saw in Scotland, and despite Fred's declarations, it was pretty much like anything else I've seen in the States. Certainly haven't seen anything like it in central Ohio. It was a good, hard walk. I sincerely believe the castle course may eventually employ a fleet of carts to help the tourists get around it. Because even as an avid walker traversing those hills, the border's on severe. Uh, anecdotally, when we reached the 13th green, Matt was not having any fun. Uh, he was playing ping pong with the green, if I recall. So we waved up the twosome behind us. Uh, they just reached the TED, so, or just reached the T, rather. So we waved to them to go ahead and play up and play through. There were three of us, after all, and just two of them. They waved back immediately that they weren't interested. Uh, they, they kind of shooed us on. We later found out that the nice Canadian couple behind us were so out of breath from climbing the 12th hole that they just wanted a seat on the bench beside the 13th tee to rest a while. They had no interest in playing through us or hurrying in any uh, form or fashion. So that just gives you an idea of a little bit of what you're facing at the castle course. We played on a day with bright, sunny, frigid air and an unrelenting breeze out of the north that affected every shot. It was easy to feel beat up out there. I remember the combination of wind and the 
wildly undulating greens to be great fun, really. It was certainly the most visually intimidating course that we played, with tall, wispy grass, rock outcroppings, and sand beside each fairway, it felt like. Uh, no matter where you were, your eye was always drawn to some kind of trouble. There are tumbling moguls and hillocks and small dunes kind of carved out and built up all across the property. It gives it a really wild aesthetic, unique to anything else we saw in Fife or Dundee or even East Lothian. When it came to the actual golf, I thought the castle course excelled. There was a strategic intent on every hole, hit a good shot, reap a good reward, hit a bad shot or catch some bad luck, and there's likely an opportunity to try and hit a heroic recovery. If, of course, you weren't in the gorse. It had the thickest gorse of any course we saw. Just nasty stuff. The course required courage, and it required good execution. My favorite example of this is the 17th hole. The 17th hole at the castle course is a... We discussed it in the podcast in a few moments. It's likely as close as I'll ever come to experiencing the tee shot on the 16th at Cypress Point. It's a huge carry across a ravine and the sea to a giant green all into the wind. I think uh, laser distance, I think the day we played it, it was right around 190, but maybe a little bit more, but we're playing right into a 15 to 20 mile an hour breeze. It was as exhilarating a shot as I hit in Scotland. You know, that's my my memory that probably colors all of my memories at the castle course. It was, you know, get excited, be bold, uh, meet the challenge head on. It was that kind of course. Perfect match play course in that respect. Um, so you can understand why it may have appealed to me. If you took a bold line and you pulled off the shot, generally you were rewarded. Just because it was hard didn't make it bad, in my opinion. You know, for all the grief he's taken about it, if David McClay Kidd had built the castle course overlooking Lake Michigan or on the Colorado River or someplace similar, I firmly believe people would flock to it and happily pay up just for the privilege. Tom Doak's opinion be damned. I thought it was that good. Now, I understand it's been softened over the years, from that initial assessment, and that's fine. Uh, there definitely are places, there definitely are parts of the course uh, that are right on the edge of playability, probably under most conditions. But hey, that's okay, and that appeals to me. Uh, nonetheless, these roundtable-style discussions, they're great fun for us, so I hope you enjoy listening along and can glean not only maybe a little entertainment, but some useful information if you ever head over to Scotland on a golf trip. We mentioned a bunch of places that we ate and drank in Scotland, and I'll try to list those uh, establishments in the show notes. I do eventually hope to draft a food log from Scotland over on the blog. That will likely be down the road somewhere. So without any more of my gas bagging, here are Matt and Fred and I with round three of the Americans in Scotland Roundtable. So I'm joined again by my Scottish golf trip compatriots, Matt and Fred. Gentlemen, it's nice to have the band back together. How are you? Uh, doing well. Doing well. Yourself? Trying to stay out of trouble. Trying to stay sane and, and stay safe. 
Um, wanted to talk tonight about something. I wanted to talk about the Castle course first. Um, you know, I, I don't know that it's such an important or such a memorable course that it needs its own episode, but it was so very different from everything else we played and experienced in Scotland. You know, it, it was it's in St. Andrews. Technically, it's part of the Lynx Trust, but it's not where the other courses are. It's out there by itself on the edge of town. You know, it's not a Lynx course. It's up on top of that bluff above the sea. Um, it's new. You know, they built it in 2008, so it's only 12 years old now. Um, and it was the one course, I was thinking about this today, it's the one course that we could really see driving up to it. You know, all the rest were kind of hidden from us for various reasons, but that one we'd driven past a couple times, and then there's a long driveway in. So you see kind of what the challenge is going to be as you're as we made our way in the, the cab to the clubhouse. What did you think once we pulled in and, and sort of were getting where we were supposed to go? It, I was I was taken by the fact, just like you said, that it didn't it didn't look familiar because we played this, you know, pretty not all the way at the end of the uh, of the trip, but we had several rounds in before we got to this. And you started to get a feel for kind of what the you know what the routine is, what the layout is, what you're looking at. And then you get here and the elevation is, is in stark contrast to everything else we played. Um, you know, the, the it, it felt very much like what I imagine playing golf in Norway is like, where it's, you know, you're, you're on the edge of a fjord and there's just rocky outcroppings everywhere and, you can't see, you know, you can see certain things, but there's lots of blind shots you can't see. Uh, um, so I remember, I do actually vividly remember as we were uh, taking the taxi in there, looking around going, uh, we're not in Scotland anymore here. Fred? Um, you know, I I, uh, I had read up on, on the course, um, you know, and I had seen a lot of the feedback. So I knew that and we had discussed it, you know, before we got there, like the night before, we knew it wasn't going to be anything, you know, similar to what we had seen. You know, we knew that a lot of the locals didn't really care for it. Um, uh, and it was, it was, you know, it was a, a big difference from what we had played before. As Matt said, you know, that there was obviously elevation changes and it felt like it was uh, like stair stepped, you know, from, from off the road was the top step and, like uh, the holes just kind of, kind of layered out um, from that, right? It was, uh, it felt like there was a definite stepping down in the in the landscape, going down to the clubhouse and to the to the the sea. I guess I will say that I would I would be okay arguing you guys that there was the views um, on that course were probably better than any other course we played. Um, you know, looking back from some of the tees, uh, into St. Andrews, it was beautiful. You know, a lot, a lot of the courses we played were, were nice and, you know, had the really picturesque, you know, holes and stuff. But man, I mean, uh, if you just want to match them up, you know, like view for view, I think that, you know, that course offered, um, much more picturesque, you know, um, views back out onto the, the, 
the water and back into town, but it was totally different. If you just want to talk about golf, it was totally different than the other courses we played. No, it, it was brutal. And, and, well, that, <laughs> that's one way to put it. But you're right. You know, being up elevated on the bluff, you did have you weren't at sea level, so to speak, with your views, and so you could look back down into the town of St. Andrews from above, which was really cool. Made it a great place to have breakfast. You know, we got there in time oh, to yeah. have our our bacon roll and, and coffee in the morning and um, you know there's just one double the, the double green of 9 and 18 between you and, and the, the cliffs uh, to the sea there so it's it's an incredible spot just to sit and watch um, you know that's an odd now that I think about it that's an odd design that the the clubhouse is at the bottom of the hill you know it's not perched up on top uh, overlooking everything you can't see the whole course from there it, it basically forces you if you want to see something you go into the restaurant and you're looking out into the the sea and looking over and seeing dundee across the the way across the water um, i want to read something to you guys and, and get your reaction just initially uh, the castle course is one listeners for some of you will know that tom doke in his book the confidential guide kind of controversially gave this course a zero rating and what that meant, I'm going to read this. A course so contrived and unnatural that it may poison your mind, which I cannot recommend under any circumstances. This is reserved for courses that wasted ridiculous sums of money on construction and probably shouldn't have been built in the first place. <laughs> so, yeah, he didn't, you know, the I get the kind of the unnatural element because in St. Andrews, everything's links. You know, we played a couple of courses down there. It's very flat land with some nice movement. Um, this one famously, I think the the architect David McClay Kidd told his, you know, gave his bulldozer crew free reign. Like, hey, go go chop this field up, and when you're done, we'll build a golf course on it. You know, it, it's something totally different. And, and as Matt said, you know, you would expect to find that somewhere else. Um, and, and I think that's okay. And I think that's where I, I would take umbrage. Uh, not that I have, you know, anywhere near the, you know, the credibility that, that he has to be making such comments. But to me, you know, it, it is not like everything else. And that's okay. Um, if you go into it expecting a, a Carnoustie experience, an old course experience, um, or even Ely or Levin or any other, literally any other place we played there. Um, if you're expecting that, then you are you are going to be either very surprised or very disappointed. Um, but if you come into it with the idea that it is different, that it is something um, that you know is, I, I think it's still special on that piece of land. Right. It's is it invented a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, it probably is. Um, but again, I, I think that's OK as long as you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. You know, to that extent, looking back and even kind of in the round, there were were holes and there were features that I said, this is Pete Dye. You know, those crazy. It had the wildest greens that we saw on the trip. As far as big undulations, some backstopping, um, just taking one of, 
one of them forced you into carnival music as we were trying to chip it on and off and back on again. Yeah, the, the fifth green there is sort of infamous. It's been worked on and softened over the years. I, I think it probably could use some, some further softening. I, I, I'm in <laughs> for more softening. But it's very much a course that, you know, you can tell it was designed. It was not found. Um, and the other thing, and Fred, I'll get your reaction to this, even driving in and standing on the first tee, seeing what the holes look like. You could see the fairway, but in contrast to Carnoustie or Ely or even North Berwick, which we had played to that point, looking up up from the first tee, oh boy, there's a lot of places to lose a golf ball on that course. Yeah, there there definitely was. There was there was probably more uh, heather on that course than any other course that we played. I mean, there were. Uh, there there was room outside of the fairway, but there wasn't much, you know, and I think that goes back to that, um, the, the statement you guys made that, you know, the course felt very contrived uh, um, in that regard because it felt like they, you know, they bulldozed a section out and like, okay, this is going to be the fairway and uh, right here is going to be where it turns to, you know, um, um, a, a bank and we're not going to mow it, right? Uh, and that's how it felt. That's why it it felt and and looked a lot like courses that you know we would all play over here. You know, I can I can tell you three or four courses that that are within you know 20 miles of my house that are are almost like a you know a, a duplicate of of the castle course, and that's why it stands out. It is so different. And to Matt's point, you know, it's okay. You know. Over here, we're all looking for, you know, like, oh, my, you know, this is supposed to be a Lynx course. You know, let's go play Lynx course. Well, you know, maybe they maybe they say, hey, you know what, that's an uh, I don't know if you want to call it an American style course, but, you know, this this is different. Let's go play that. Um, and I and I understand, you know, the thought behind that. But there has to be some when you're sitting there and you're putting you're putting that um, that laying that course out. I think that. You know that designer or or a designer needs to step back and say, you know what, um, you know, you can't really have a course built where you know you have uh, two or three par fours that are you know 450, and it's going to be playing in the prevailing wind, which is you know a stout 15 to 20 miles an hour. Um, that's that's just brutal. And then on the flip side, yeah, yeah, and uphill. And on the flip side, you know, I. I mean, I believe that I heard Matt say on one of those holes, it may have been nine, um, which is a relatively short little par four, um, right along the, you know, right along the, the cliffs down to the to the water. Um, I think Matt may have said, I think drivers too much because the wind was behind us. Um, you know, I think that that aspect took a lot of a, a little bit out of that course um we all remember i think it was number 11 which was probably a 470 yard par four um i hit a ball that i i believe um went at least a mile and a half up into the air and um cheney hit two of the best balls i've ever seen in person hit and he was in the middle of the green um and i don't know matt if you could not I'm not sliding your ability at at all here, but I don't know if you could hit two better sh- golf shots back to back 
again. No, I, I, I couldn't. I mean, I, there are there are par fives that I've reached without as much uh, without as much effort as it took to get to the middle of the green in two on that. What was that? Eleven, I think. Yeah, eleven. Yeah. Straight up the mountain. Yeah. Cool. And that brings to mind, you know, that was a keyhole I wanted to, to bring up. The other thing that you realized right out of the gate uh, that was unlike a lot of the other courses, that was going to be a hard walk. That was going to be a hard day, and it and you knew it. Um, and, you know, I can understand some of the local criticism there. They don't have a ton of carts at the Castle course, but that's a course that looks and feels and plays like it was built for golf carts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and if you want to criticize that for, if you want to criticize that course for, you know, what are you doing? Nobody else in Scotland has any golf carts. Okay, I get that. That's a good valid criticism. But that was, sure. um, when did you? When did your dog start barking, Fred? When did you realize? Okay, I've had enough of, of these switchbacks up and down this mountain. Um, I would say uh, I'm not so sure it was it was the walking, but. Um, that hole we just talked about, 11, it was pretty short after, very shortly after we finished that hole, I was like, oh boy, goodness, or this is, this is going to be something because, I mean, we all know that, that wind will beat you down as it is, right? But, but again, when you're, when you're hitting those shots uphill into the wind, um, and turning around and, and as you said, a switch back, back the other way downhill it wasn't super flat you know there was a lot of little undulations and yeah i was uh by the end of that day i was i was definitely ready to go you know post up at the at the nearest pub it, what's worse is you know that 11 straight up the hill 12 is uphill too uphill to yeah, that right. blind the blind green um one of the best green complexes i think i saw in scotland because there was a, a nice closely mown area you couldn't see behind it that just collected everything. Um, yep. But Matt, did you have any other thoughts as far as the initial impressions and kind of overall? Yeah, yeah I, th- I mean, I, I think it was about the third hole when I said, Are, we're really, we're going to do this all day, huh? Uh, and then, yeah, it was somewhere probably the middle of the back nine where you're like, you know, it took an extra deep breath somewhere along the way to be like, all right, need to dig a little bit deeper to, to, to finish this walk because it is more and, and part of that too is if you're hitting the ball straight at the castle course the walk ends up being not nearly as bad because there are so many banks on the sides but if you sp- I mean you spray that thing on a couple of holes and now all of a sudden the tee box which was you know kind of sitting down low now you're walking up a hill to now play that shot and walk back down the hill because you, you sprayed it 20 yards, right. Um, there was a lot of that again, part of that stair step nature. If you missed on the other side, you're walking down the hill to hit a ball back up the hill. Um, so I think that, that also, if you go out there and, and, and really stripe it and hit it straight, uh, and you're very accurate with your shots there, you can take a little bit of the bite out of the walk. Um, not exactly, you know, not exactly the, uh, my, my game, I wouldn't say. No, and that's, and that's true. And, and, you know, that was a course that I don't know that a caddy would have helped anybody because, you know, the, what I thought was strategically, it was the course that kind of laid itself out in front of you pretty easily. You know, a yardage book, 
and you know just a little bit of awareness and you you knew what to do which made it there was a fun aspect to that it was a much more an execution course versus something like Carnoustie or St Andrews where the the shortest distance between two points maybe uh you know it definitely wasn't a straight line in a lot of cases so I, th- I thought this one was much more kind of straightforward in that regard um you know it asked more at the same time it's not like it was all quote unquote just right out there in front of you it did ask some heroic shots you know you're talking really long par fours um 17 that tee shot on 17 is one of my favorite of the trip you know i, I joke with people that that's as close to playing 17 at cypress point as i'll ever get having that 180 yard carry over the ocean dead into the the wind you know mm-hmm. takes a takes a long iron slash hybrid and turns it into maybe driver maybe a fairway wood <laughs> three wood <laughs> i was gonna say i i hit three wood and i hit it well and i needed to hit it well to get it there I hit a five wood and I swung as hard as I've ever swung at anything in my life. And I just happened to make clean contact and get it there. Fred almost rolled down the cliffs. That was one of the more impressive things of the trip, really. Well, yeah. Uh, as Matt alluded to earlier, he, uh, he hit a three wood really well. And he told me that <laughs> before I was attempting to hit my three wood. And I figured, well, I have, I have, uh, very little hope of this uh, making it there. Uh, I did not, was not going to be the guy who hit um, a driver uh, into the par three. So I swung. Humorous. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I found, I found, uh, I found the, uh, the C um, and then proceeded to hit the next shot that didn't quite make it. Uh, what is that? In the field of play, I was behind uh, some kind of uh, wooden fence, and I thought, oh, I can chip this up, and chipped up and proceeded to just kind of rock back a little bit on the on the barking dogs, and yeah, almost rolled all the way down to my my untimely death. It was scary. I mean, you were way you were it was in, you were like in a little hobbit hole. I, I you know, yeah. mountain goats would have looked at you like, uh, uh-uh, we're not, we're not going down there. Um, yeah, I did. You think, know, they, they they put those stakes out there to prevent you know stupid Americans from walking over there to the edge and you know tumbling to their death. Stakes and a fence can't stop Fred. I mean, he's a force of nature. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, to the course's credit, I thought that closing stretch, those last three holes, 16 down the hill with that huge bank green, uh, 17 with that, that heroic carry, and then 18 with a, a big cut-the-corner par 5 down to that double green. I thought that was a – one, you were moving downhill on all three of those. So that's, you know, a, a little bit of a reward for not giving up to that point. But I thought the the shots required there were were some of the best on the course, which makes sense. You know, you don't want to have a, a fizzle out finish. Um, but that was yeah, that was as tired as I've been. Um, but I was at the same time I, again. I thought there were some some really some shots you didn't get asked to hit anywhere else in Scotland there. So it made it unique, uh, which was fun for me. But as you said, Fred, you could in theory you could find that somewhere around here in the states so yeah yeah um 
any other thoughts on the, the castle course before we jump ship? I thought the uh, the folks that you know the common theme, you know the people working at the clubhouse, you know the the lady that met us when the cab dropped us off, they were all super nice. I mean, met us at the door, jokingly, you know, telling us that we had our our hands full with the wind and um, and as you alluded to, maybe some of the best coffee of the trip. That was uh, the coffee that we got at the bus station there in Edinburgh was fantastic, but. The coffee at the at the, uh, breakfast at uh, Castle Course was was pretty good too. It was the most elaborately branded course of anything I saw in Scotland yeah. as well. Um, which, with it being the new kid on the block, I kind of understand that. But that was almost sensory overload. That everything was just Castle branded at the. It was uh, also an ode to the American style course. <laughs> it really. It really was. It, it was an American in Scotland. Uh, I think that's yeah. a, a fair conclusion. I uh, just one more point. I, I find it funny that you know, um, reading uh, reading reviews and, and people's remarks on the Castle Course um, kind of fall right in line to uh, the captain at the Carnoustie Club's um, comments on their uh, on their clubhouse on the the new clubhouse that was built there. There was a lot of the same uh, adjectives that were used in both of those uh, both of those both of those descriptions. Any place but the rookery. That's yeah, right. right. That's right. Man, that guy was awesome. No, I, I think that that makes sense. Um, but you you know, and as a transition, you'd mentioned that it was some of the best coffee. I loved the the sausage roll there. Um, I want to spend some of the rest of the time we've got together tonight talking about St. Andrews, the town. You know, it's a we stayed kind of not in the college district, but there were students walking past us on the sidewalks every time we walked up that hill. Um, I, for one, was impressed with the food offerings in St. Andrews. Every everything I had seen, everything I'd heard, and people I'd talked to, with the exception of my mom, who loves Scotland, had said, "Yeah, it's great, but the food is, bleh. you know, that that was as common a theme. As great as the golf was, the food was going to be poor. I didn't really find that. Uh, you know, it, everything wasn't perfect and gourmet, but um, you know, first night there, we pop into. What, well, what's open, what's available. We go to a place called Pizza Express, which is a nice sit-down pizza joint. You know, that for three weary travelers, that, I thought that was exactly what we, we needed. Um, you know, the, the next night, we, we didn't know how busy St. Andrews got on a Saturday night. We walked around for 45 minutes trying to find a, a table um, and couldn't do it and ended up in that burger joint that had kind of custom milkshakes. That place was great. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? Did, did you guys have any first impressions or any expectations going in as to what the the food situation the scene was going to be? I had heard very similar, very similar things to the to what you had heard um, from from folks that had traveled to the you know to the British Isles, and so yeah, I was a little wary. You know, it's one of those where fish and chips is always safe. Outside of that, it gets dicey. Um, so I was a little weary coming in, um, pizza. I figured the first night anywhere in the world, you can probably, you know, you're probably all right with pizza. Um, so it was, I think that's the first night was probably a play in it safe anyway. Um, but yeah, that was, 
that was kind of I, I kind of went into it a little bit apprehensive. Fred, um, well, uh, I'm, I'm I'm not really known for someone who has a hard time finding something that they'll eat, so I really wasn't that concerned. Um, the the food, I mean, yeah, I, I thought the food was great. Um, like you said, the pizza from just, you know, kind of walking in and finding a place. I thought that was good. If I remember correctly, I think I had an egg on my pizza. You did. Had you ever had that before? No, it was, <laughs> it was awesome. Um, that was really good. Uh, the, the burger place that you're talking about was, was great. I know that, you know, we, we made our way up and down that street. Um, I don't even know the name of the, the name of the street, but um, you had to go through the little archway, and uh, it was right at that horrible intersection that I almost got hit at. Um, uh, but we kept walking by that one the one restaurant that had the the meat that was hanging in the window that looked like it had been there for about eight years. The dry and aging, yes. Yeah, yeah. We never made it to that place, but we were like, well, maybe we got to go there and. Um, yeah, it was great. I mean, I have, I have no complaints about, uh, about any of the, the food we had. I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was great. How did we find the steak barn? Where did that come from? Cause I'd never heard that of was, that before we got it there. It was a recommendation by multiple people within yeah. a handful of hours. Um, yeah. I think, I think one of the caddies at one point recommended it. Um, I don't remember where the other one, whether it was where we were at the Dunvegan maybe, or it was, um, wasn't it the, the cab driver on the way back from the course? That might've been, could have been to set the scene for people. The the place is called steak barn. You're hearing that right. And it's basically a, a wooden, a big wooden barn with no exterior shell. They just put some, they just hung sheets on it. So instead of having wood, paneling it was just sheets and then and kind of an open fire pit in the back with a with an exhaust and a bunch of (laughs) wooden picnic tables in there so everyone's you know if you stayed in there long enough you would suffocate from smoke inhalation i'm Um, pretty sure they must go through employees on a regular basis yeah the Uh, the flu wasn't working on that chimney but yeah um one of, gravel something. floor too. Don't forget the gravel floor. <laughs> That's right. Well, you, you know how a pint goes over in St. Andrews. Uh, so. Yeah. Yes. Um, but is this crazy place? And it had basically just a meat menu. You could get any kind of. You could get steak however you wanted, as long as it was steak. Uh, a bunch of weird appetizers that I had never heard of before. Um, but I had a blast and drink specials. I guess uh, Fred, you, I, I know you had some fun. Uh, with the, the, the menu there, asking the waitress all, you know, going through the whole thing before you ordered something, the same thing you ordered every place else, which was, it was impressive. Yeah. I, you know, I just like to be, you know, informed, you know, you never know what you're going to stumble across. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, again, I believe, isn't that one, isn't that where I forgot my wallet? Yes, <laughs> Matt, I think Matt had to pay for pay pay for my dinner, and then um, yeah, I remember I was gonna take the cab back to the house to get my wallet, and Matt's like, "That's ridiculous. Just come on, I got you. You're fine." <laughs> um, so yeah, that I that sticks in my head. Um, the 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 food was great, um, but I will I will say that the uh, we'll call it the ambiance. Um, only lasted for a short amount of time because that smoke was um, 
was was uh was was kicking um i felt like i had smoked like three packs of cigarettes in there i mean it was rolling out of that uh the the kitchen in the back there Whew. and it was 20 degrees hotter in there than any place else in scotland <laughs> yes that's true too you know we went from there to um you know one of my favorite meals was our our breakfast before we played the old course uh, yeah, if, if, anyone, fabulous. if you have time, if you're going to, to play the old course, go get a table, go get a window seat at the Russick's Hotel. Um, you know, it had a, it had the same breakfast kind of buffet as every place else did. And you could you could get your meat sides on top of it. But just sitting there, I don't know if it made me more nervous or more relaxed, but watching groups just tee off. Uh, and take their photos and have their once in a lifetime moments was just really cool on a on a bright Monday morning. Um. How lucky were we that that all happened? You know, we, we can say that a ton, and we've said that multiple times. You know, during these conversations, but we had no idea where we could get breakfast. You know, uh, we just walked up, and Dave, was it you and I that walked up, or was it Matt and I? They walked up and asked the asked the I was gonna say lady, but she was you know ten years younger than me. So um, asked her if you know we we weren't staying at the hotel, but you know wondered if we could grab some breakfast. And she's like, oh yeah. And we walk around, and she's like, oh follow me. And I keep walking and walking, and I'm like, where are we going? Next thing you know, we're sitting right there in that big bay window at the restaurant overlooking you know 18 and and the first tee um that was that was pretty special that was fun my my lasting memory from that other than how cool it was was i saw my worst nightmare play out right before our eyes (laughs) we're we're sitting there and we're i think we'd probably finished our meal and we're enjoying coffee and look over and a guy he's he's on the tee and he takes, hits his shot, and the ball goes between his own legs. I've never seen that before. And to have it happen, to that to be your first tee shot at the old course was just horrifying. So I don't think I was really nervous before then. I was nervous after seeing that. I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you come back from that? That's, that makes for a long, tough round. Uh, didn't, um... Uh, off of uh, off of the golf topic here for a second. Didn't someone drop a some uh, some utensil uh, into the into the heater? Yeah, I may have elbowed a knife down into the uh, radiator heater of the uh, Russets Hotel. So if you're you know you're sitting there. Enjoying the meal uh, by the the window facing uh, 1 and 18 there. Just know that you look down at the radiator. There's a knife in there somewhere. Don't touch it. It's hot. (laughs) I would imagine. I would imagine. I will say, Matt, I will tip my hat to you. You, you, I mean, I didn't know what happened. I was looking. I was sitting right there. I mean, you didn't even flinch. You just kept staring straight ahead. You're like, no, oh. well, uh, international incidents before uh, your old course round are not usually advised. So uh, they're still looking for that rattle. <laughs> that's right. Looking. What is wrong with this radiator? <laughs> it's, it out. 
should man. make it so that it, you know you, you gotta have some sort of screen or something to prevent that kind of thing from happening. Huh? Matt, Matt, that, that hotel's that hotel's been there for like a hundred years. <laughs> At least it survived the war, oh. both wars. And <laughs> right. Matt's knife hey, is gonna yeah, like it's gonna back up the radiator. There's gonna be a pressure oh. problem. Um, uh, if you can survive a war, you damn well better be able to survive a butter knife. That's all. You know. Oh man, that was great. I almost forgot about that. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up, though. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that was great. good. I, I think we uh, can all all agree as as nice as all the food was to that point. If you visit St. Andrews and you don't get a reservation at Forgans, you've done your oh, trip wrong. Absolutely. Man. It's in an old, it's in an old factory space. Uh, we walked in there on Saturday night and, and asked if they had any tables, and they politely kind of giggled like, "Oh no, no, we're we're booked until closing." Um, so we got a reservation for a couple nights later. But you know, just a as far as unique experiences and ambiance, you know, that's where you that's where you go to close out the trip. You know, to sit and recollect. I think we did that the night of our old course. Uh, round and what a way to go out i mean mm. any other thoughts on the the food or the the experiences there in st andrews i mean for for me there there were a couple of takeaways um you know going back to the i was apprehensive about certain things i, I was you know one of the things that i had i had been told and i did find it to be true is that there's lots of things over there that were pretty standard as far as, you know, it was what you would expect. Beef on the aisles is runs a gamut. And I think that's some of what, um, you know, some of what turns people off uh, to, to British food. if Because it, it's got a certain flavor to it. And especially depending on where you go, um, I don't know if it's a grass fed thing over there or what it is. But, you know, I, a, a burger from one place and a burger from another place may have entirely different flavor profiles. Um, so that's one of the things that I, I had been made aware of and I was paying attention to. And I did find it to be true that, you know, it, it, it can it can be good um, in both ways, but it is something that I could see that putting people off. Um that was one of the things that I noticed. Uh, another being being a, a granola connoisseur, they they just do granola. Oh, let me and and going back to the Russex Hotel, you are not doing yourself any service if you uh, if you don't go with the homemade granola bars. I mean, just uh, they out of this world good. I'm I'm writing them for the recipe kind of good. Um, that and the last the last thing is really. And this this wasn't just related to um, St Andrews. It was it was everywhere in Scotland. And and frankly, it's just a, a good lesson for for traveling anywhere. Um, typically, your nose will not steer you wrong. If you walk by a place and it smells really good, it's probably really good. Um, that that pastry that I had in the train station at five fifteen in the morning that had just come out of the oven the the scones that we had dave when yeah. when we were walking by that last morning that place was called gorgeous i looked it up and it's right there on one of the cross streets by market and in in all that that whole area 
Yeah, that little place was dynamite. I could have spent yep. all day there. I know it. And so, yeah, you, when, when you're traveling channel, your inner toucan Sam, follow your nose, and that will generally steer you in the right direction. Uh, Dave, can I uh, can I make a uh, a statement to your your listeners? Sure. Um, it's uh, it, it goes beyond my ability to put into words the amount of conversation that uh, <laughs> Dave and Matt could generate in a in you know a, a four or five day period regarding granola. It's so good. Mind numbing. So I mean, oh. it, those conversations never stopped. I mean, I'm it was. Still, I still dream about the granola over there. It, wow, I was like the first thing later. when we came back home, and I saw Matt's wife. That's the first thing I told her. I was like, I, I was like, I, I, I didn't know if we were going to get Matt away from the granola bar, and she's like, Oh my god, he, he just goes on and on about granola, and I'm like, You have no idea. <laughs> You know, and, and we're not, you know, we went to law school. He, he works a corporate gig. I sell real estate. It's not like we're, you know, tie-dyed hippies, you know, that, that are, <laughs> that are, we have to not eat the patchouli, but choose the granola. But there's, there was oh. something about, you know, it, it was unlike anywhere else in the world. And, you know, my wife can cook granola. She can make it in the oven and it's great, but it's not, it's not Carnoustie <laughs> granola. That's where it all started. It's not, Carnoustie. it's not Russick's Hotel granola. That's all right. That's all right. Oh, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, it was, Matt's like, uh, how much time we got? And we're like, oh, we got plenty of time. We'll go out there and stretch. He's like, hold on, I'm going to get some more granola. Yeah. He's like, what? I can <laughs> grab a granola bar for the road. You're going to put that in your shoe? That's right. He that's comes back right. with this big bowl of granola with the, this like heaping mound of like yogurt in the middle of it. <laughs> and he was just as happy as he could be. Fortifies you for the wind, makes your taste buds happy. I don't understand what your problem is, Fred. You know what? Maybe that was my problem because if I remember correctly, Matt came out at Carnoustie and was just like knocking flags down for like six holes. Yeah, I saw I saw the money counter going up. I was like, oh, he came to play today. That's not fun. I was like, maybe I should have had some more granola. Well, let's think about it. My I came out on fire at Carnoustie, and my best round of the entire trip was the old course. Damn it, man! I think we figured something out here. There's, hmm. there's a high likelihood that I'm going to sneak down to Southern Pines and Pinehurst before our group trip. That means I have to make sure there's plenty of granola available. That's right. There you go. <laughs> I found the, the key to keeping the the wheels on the Matt Cheney bus. This is there you go, Fred. Thank you for that. You just cost not- yourself some money. This is yeah, awesome. I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm really happy about that, but I mean, it needed to be said. It needed to be brought up. I'm just. I'm just there. That's, well, that's insight you can only get here on the Blind Shot right. Podcast. That's yeah, right. that's right. Uh, that's it, right. Between your permanent seat at the Dunvegan, and you know, and Matt Cheney will a point to listeners. I hope we didn't offend our Nordic. Uh, listeners earlier he's at least 60 percent viking heritage maybe more so that wasn't an insult that was takes one to know one type commentary i i have i have saw me blood on my on my mother's side so yeah that that a boy um but guys thanks uh next time we'll do sort of an old course breakdown i think that's obviously 
the coolest and, and the marquee experience that we had in St. Andrews, and we can can talk that up. Uh, talk about all the all the fun and all the the travails. Any other thoughts about the actual town of St. Andrews visiting? Uh, any of the the little shops or or places, pubs that we ate or drank? Um, I, I would just close by saying I knew that it was a I knew that it was a college town, but um, it really it it felt like a college town too. Um, with as much stuff going on, you know. In St. Andrews, um, it reminded me a lot of um, of Athens, Ohio, where I went to school uh, for at Ohio University. It had that you know little little quaint you know college town feel to it, even though it was you know a a worldwide travel destination as well. Very true. Um, you know, seeing it was weird. We were passing students, and they all had their formal kind of school attire on, and to hear American accents. Uh, mm-hmm. That was that caught me off guard. I wasn't ready for that uh, in you know coastal Scotland. But again, like you said, added the ambiance. For sure, I, I thought it was I thought it was a wonderfully well placed spot for us to have as base camp. Also, um, you know, you are you are really not a long travel from a, a whole bunch of wonderful places to play. So you know, obviously, you've got the the anchor there. Of the link, you know the St. Andrews links, but um, you know you're really a, a, a relatively short drive from a lot of other wonderful places to play. Right. Yeah. It was ten or fifteen minutes to Ely, to Leven, to Crail, which we didn't play, but you could get further out on the peninsula. Um, fifteen minutes to the train line uh, that would have taken you, you know, to Edinburgh or to Aberdeen and Carnoustie in the other direction. It was, yeah, renting a house there, um, unless you're going to do a big luxury trip and stay at one of the hotels, you know, the Russics or the Fairmont or the, the St. Andrews, uh, the Duke Course Hotel there. Yeah, renting a house right in town. Yeah, immerse yourself in it. Live up what is St. Andrews. Um, it was nice to have people on the streets. You know, always felt safe because there's always a crowd everywhere we went. So uh, that gave me great peace. Yeah. So, guys, as always, thank you for a bit of your time. Thank you, Dave. A pleasure as always, my friend. Hey, thanks for stopping by this episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I hope you liked what you heard here, and that you'll subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast feed service of choice. Maybe share an episode with your friends or retweet the show link on Twitter. You could even leave a rating for the show on iTunes. I have it on good authority that that's what all the cool kids do with their podcast. If you didn't like what you heard here, sorry about that. I can't do anything about it now, but I will try to do better the next time. I hope you will join me next time here on the Blind Shots Podcast. But most importantly, I hope you're being safe and smart and keeping sane out there. We will get through this, and someday this war on virus will end. Until then, when you're playing golf, do decide to go for it and take Just crushing disappointment.